Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This show is all about art, craft, and creativity, and I produce it weekly in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. Welcome to episode 47. Some of you may have been wondering if there was going to be an episode 47 since I didn't post over the weekend like I normally do. The holidays are here, and I'm not quite ready yet, (laughs) so I'm scrambling. But I am very happy to bring you one last show before the holidays. I think I'm going to give myself a week off and come back to you after New Year's. And if you just miss it so much, there's always the archives. Okay, let's get on with today's excitement. I had the pleasure of interviewing Ellen Knudsen. She lives in Starkville, Mississippi. She is a bookmaker. She has a printing press. And she contacted me and told me a little bit about what she does. And of course, since I'm a word person and a journalist and a writer, and I just love printing presses, even though I don't have one and I've never used one, I'm intrigued, let's just say. So when Ellen contacted me, I immediately responded and said, yes, absolutely, let's talk. So we did. And it's been a while due to my backlog. We talked quite a time ago. So thank you, Ellen, for your faith that I would actually produce this show. (laughs) Ellen is a 37-year-old artist. She was so trusting. She actually sent me a box of her books. And these are beautiful, limited edition books that she prints on her press. We tried to describe what we were talking about, but I'm also going to refer you to the Craft Sanity website. You'll be able to find links to Ellen's website so you can get a good look at what we were talking about. I'll have photos on my website as well. And a little more about Ellen before we get started. She's a graduate of the University of Alabama, where she earned an MFA in book arts. And she has gone on to produce handmade books under the imprint Crooked Letter Press, which I just love the name. She's been a book artist for 10 years, and she's been a graphic designer for even longer, 15 years. She's done graphic artwork for the Art Institute of Chicago, the Detroit Institute of Arts, and she's also taught graphic design at Wayne State University and Mississippi State University. And after the show, I encourage you to check out the free project that Ellen has passed along. It's a wheat paste paper recipe. I'll also announce the winner and kind of update you on our contest situation here. Okay, so let's get to that interview. How did you get into the printing press? What led you down this path? As a kid, did you do artistic things? Oh, yeah. I mean, I... My grandmother and my mom, and we've all kind of done that kind of stuff. And, you know, my grandmother still does that kind of thing and has crocheted and knitted and done all that kind of stuff. And, I mean, I crochet a little bit. But I just like working with my hands, and I've always been like that. But letterpress, I didn't know that you could actually do that, you know? I mean, I kind of had seen it. Like when I was in college, I saw an exhibition where there was letterpress printed things, and I thought, wow, that's really cool, but I thought, oh, you know, they know how to do it. I could never do that, and then after I graduated and was married, we moved to Chicago, and that's where I figured out how to learn it. You know, at Columbia College, they have a center for book and paper art, so I took classes there and learned how to actually do this, and I, you know, I was a graphic designer. I went to college and got a degree in graphic design at North Carolina State University. You were already working as a graphic designer? Yeah, at the Art Institute of Chicago. 
that's where I was working at the time, which was awesome. I love that job. At what point did you decide, you know what, I'm getting a press. This is what I'm going to do. Well, when I was in Chicago, you know, I took that class and one of my teachers, you know, was kind of telling us how you could get presses. And this was like in, I guess, 97 or 98. And it was still really easy to get presses and cheap. Now they're not cheap. It's really hard to find them. And, and when you do, they're expensive. About how much is a press now? The kind of press I have could cost you $6,000. Oh, my goodness. It's a, I have a Vandercook Universal One, and I got mine for, and I, people are going to get so mad to hear this, but I paid $500 for it. Oh, wow. You know, I actually thought that was a pretty good deal for a press. I mean, yeah. I had to clean it up and stuff. And in Chicago, you know, that kind of Midwest area, you know this. Uh, yeah, yep. It's industrial and, and printing was... You know, that was like a central place for this kind of stuff. And so presses were easier to find in that area. So I think that's why I, I was able to find one and get a good deal on it even then. So it was through talking to your teacher you were able to find one? I don't think she hooked me up with this guy, but she told me that you could do it. How do you find a press? I think the best way to do it is to try to find local printers, like offset printers. They have these things sitting in back rooms. And usually they don't want to mess with it. You know, they want to get rid of it. They, they'd like you to just come get it, and sometimes they'll give it to you. I've heard, like, miracle stories like this still happen. But eBay, you know, you'll see them on there. And then there's this thing on the web called Briar Press. And sort of a for-sale wanted letterpress equipment thing. And people post if they have presses or if they're looking for presses and so you scored your press. Did you start printing right away, or did you feel like you had to kind of figure out how to work the thing? You know, I took the class, and, and so I, I kind of knew how to do it, but I lived in an apartment in Chicago. Oh, boy, yeah. And I couldn't, <laughs> you know, I guess I could. I knew I was going to be moving, too, in a couple of years because my husband was there at Northwestern on a postdoc fellowship, so it's only a three-year thing. And I thought, I'm going to go through all this, having to move it up steps and everything and get it in here and didn't have to move it right out. So I actually put it in storage for a year. It was so funny because I would go down to the place where it was being and stored visit. and clean it and stuff. And they were just like, you're so weird. <laughs> and I was just like, hug it. I love you. Oh, wow. Yeah, because <laughs> you know? I just imagine like if I had to put one of my looms in storage or something. Even though I'm at a point right now where with two small children, I'm not able to use my loom very much. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't want to have to put it someplace else. <laughs> right. Know? Just being there, I need to know you're there. I would be doing visitation with my Ah, loom, too. I I can understand. You know, these places that have warehouses in Chicago, you know, these guys, they're not into the art thing at all. (laughs) I'm going in there and, like, spraying stuff on it to keep rust off. And, like, I treat it, and I still do treat it like somebody might treat an antique car. I really love it. I love my press, and it's a beautiful piece of machinery, just the craftsmanship of the machine is so beautifully simple, but it's complicated, but the pieces just aren't going to fall apart. You just know it. It really is a tough thing, a tough little machine, and I love it so much. How do you know that you're getting a good machine? Yeah. That's what um, it's it kind of just like involves some faith, you know, and kind of looking the owner square in the eye and seeing yeah, if they look away. Yeah, maybe a little bit of that. And, I mean, you know, the guy I got mine from is this man in Indianapolis, and he has a letterpress 
place where he has all this stuff, type, and it's just a mess in there. It's so junked up, but he knows where everything is, that kind of thing. Yeah. And this guy, he wouldn't sell it. If if he knew it was kind of warped or it was somehow missing parts, he would have told me. Yeah. That's just that guy, you know. And letterpress people I've found, if they're really into it, they're not going to lie. They, they'll, they'll tell you if there's something quirky with it or if something's off or it's missing something, they'll tell you. Yeah. I mean, after seeing your work, I mean, first, you know, when, when you sent me the link on the website, I was like, wow, this is great. And then when I saw it in person, I'm like, wow, this is really great. You know? <laughs> it's really different. Yeah. I know. pictures, it just doesn't well, capture it. your work is just beautiful. And I, I think, you know, from the binding to the printing, everything is just fantastic. So, Thank you. And it sounds like this is perfect for you because it, it's a... A creative outlet and an artistic form that allows you to blend your graphic design with the craftsmanship of being able to print on this equipment. So it looks like just making books is just a great medium for you and to display all of your talents. So that's fantastic that you found that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of was doing it for a long time and I didn't realize I was a book artist. So what do you mean? What were you doing? You know, I saw that letterpress printed stuff in college and then I just started Make And it wasn't even a book that I saw. I think it was like an invitation or something that was just beautifully printed. And I don't even know what the show was that I saw now. But I remember thinking, I love that type in the paper. I love how that looks to see that physical, you know, impression. Right, right. Which is what most people like about it. It's so different than Offset. It has some kind of life in it that you can't get with Offset. But then I started doing these books where they're not editions. They're just one-of-a-kind pieces where I was using, like, rub-on type and stamps, and I would draw and put these things together. I didn't know about really sewing books and how, you know, there's a craft to that. There's a, you know, actual technique. Oh, yeah. Just Mm -hmm. kind of doing it, you know. Yeah, for sure. Taping stuff together and... So I have books that I did before I knew anything about book arts. I've just always loved books. I loved reading as a kid. I just did that. And then I realized, oh, there's a whole world, this book art world. You know, after I got into letterpress, I started, you know, being part of it and... Are you self-taught when it comes to the binding and the sewing together of books? Are, did you take classes on how to make books or in binding, or did, well, is this trial you know, and error? when I was in Chicago, I didn't know how to do that kind of stuff. I mean, I took one little class or part of a class that I learned how to do a little bit of sewing, and it was really for one book that I, I was doing. It was part of this bigger class that was an additions class, and it teaches you, you know, all the processes like the printing, paper making, you know, designing. And the binding. So it was just a little bit of time that I did that. And so I didn't learn, like, the basics of binding until I went to grad school at University of Alabama. Uh, there's a book arts program in it there that I just completed, actually, this spring. And that's where I learned how to do binding. And it was a really, really good education <laughs> because I didn't... You know, there's there's basics. There's like the non-adhesive bindings, and then there's the case bindings, um, which is more what I do now that I know how to do that, because I think it just looks more finished. But a lot of people like those exposed bindings where you can see the sewing, um, and I like that too. But I just haven't figured out a project where it suits it. Yeah, I'm just completely blown away because there are several people out there in the world that can bind books, or they can print, or yeah. they can do graphic design. But you're able to do 
all of these things and yeah. just make these fantastic pieces. And I'm looking at the book uh, Self Duel. I love the fact that it kind of goes in two directions. You can open it uh, from two sides, which yeah. is really an interesting construction. But I'm noticing in here that there are several pages where the design is in the paper, like and not even in, in ink of any kind. And I'm curious about how are you able to get that? Oh, they're printed blind. That's what it's called, yeah. Well, it's done the same way, and there is ink on there. There is. It's transparent white. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I actually think I mixed a little bit of the gray in there just to give it a little bit of depth, because I thought they might be invisible on that handmade paper. Okay, so you printed that. Now, did you have to design your own plates and everything for when you do this? Yeah. Yeah, so why don't you take me through, like, the process. If you can just describe how you made this book. So I'll let you kind of describe what Self-Duel is all about. Okay, Self-Duel. Well, that book is my thesis project. Okay. And so it was a year in the making of that book. And it's based around the trip I made back and forth to graduate school in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and my home in Starkville, Mississippi. They're an hour and a half apart from each other. And I didn't want to move away from my husband and son for two years. So... I commuted back and forth, um, and it was really, really hard. <laughs> I, I would do it again, but it was really, really difficult. But, you know, that drive, it's the country, you know, right. nothing. But I, it was beautiful sometimes. Like, I would be driving back home and just be overwhelmed with the beauty and the emptiness and just how simple it is there and how you can take it for granted. So that's really what started me thinking about this book and what I would do with it. But I thought I would just write about the prettiness and write about the weeds on the side of the road and the fields and the horses or whatever. And I thought I would really just write about the physical trip. Mm -hmm. But then when I sat down to write it, it was not that at all. I don't know why. I just started thinking about things I think about when I'm driving by myself. And you can really get on tangents you wouldn't normally get on right, <laughs> when right. you're in the car by yourself. I know sure. you know you've done it too. It's just, um, you know, you don't get an opportunity be, to be by yourself all that much as a mom, but if you, if you do, you can kind of get, you know, into ideas and things. So that's what those, the, the writing in the book is about, just that kind of thinking, whatever it is. And, and it's, there's no train of thought. There's no, like, one concept that I'm talking about. It's different. Right, it's kind of stream about. of consciousness, like whatever would come into your head as yeah. you're going down the road. And I think, well, I think you achieve that in this book because it, it's very clear that this is, you know, that's what it's about. And I think you can, readers can relate because yeah. we've all done that where you're, you're like, geez, wow, why am I thinking about this now? Or Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah kind of sort out your issues as you're driving along. <laughs> right. Well, at least think about them. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe not figure. sorting too many. Yeah, I don't normally have things figured out when I pull up in the driveway, but yeah, um, it I helps. Would. It helps a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it does. And I would actually talk to myself in the car, you know. I actually am guilty of that, too, <laughs> you know. I've um, I've given people a real piece of my mind at times, too. <laughs> it's a lot safer than um, giving them an actual piece of your mind in real life, you know, yeah, uh, face-to-face. Yeah, it actually does, because you can vent it out there. And then go on with life. Yeah. <laughs> people, people, um, I, I, I tend not to do that at stoplights, though, because um, that could be a little bit weird if you're, like, yelling in your car and people are like, what in the heck? There's no cell phone. What's going on? I know. <laughs> well, no, but you could have one of those little bug things in your ears that people wear now. Yeah, and just pretend. Yeah. They don't know. 
yes, you're not crazy. You're talking to. <laughs> well, that was the beauty of being on the highway, sort of like sometimes I'd be like the only car for miles. Right, so you had a privacy. Yeah, yeah, nobody knew I was wigging out. Yeah. The imagery of the book, what I did was I had my husband drive me. My mother-in-law was in town taking care of my son. And we just drove the drive, and wherever I felt like I needed to take a picture, I'd say, stop, pull over, let me take this picture, you know. So I went and took uh, photographs of the drive back and forth in both directions. And sometimes I would get out and take pictures of of flowers that I would always look at when I drove and and watch them change through the seasons, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then sometimes it was just a big panoramic of some place where I felt, you know, it always, always noticed it, I guess. And so from those photographs, I created my imagery. So like that little detail you're talking about that's impressed into the paper. Yes. Um, there's like a thistle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never seen thistles because I grew up in North Carolina. They don't have them there. Or if they do, not where I live. And in Mississippi, they have them. And they have them, other pl- they have them here in California, too. But I'd never seen them before. So I was taking pictures of the thistles, and I really like that texture. I like how those look just, you know, on the side of the road. So I thought that would be a neat thing to put into the book. So the way I did that is I took the photograph, and I did a drawing of it, and uh, then did some stuff on the computer with it and made it into a a graphic, just a black and white image, Mm -hmm. and then had a plate made from it. I see. A photopolymer plate. And so how, do you have to have that sent out then to have a plate made? Well, yeah, I, I, that's what I did. But you can do it yourself. There's a way to do it with um, sunlight and or you can make a light box. I took a class at Penland School of Crafts in North Carolina, and I did learn how to do it with the sun and with a light box. And you can wash out the plate yourself just with water. And I love stuff like that that you can do without a bunch of equipment. Mm-hmm. I always want to learn about things that you can do without equipment because I don't want to have to have all and most people can't afford it you know now the presses are getting so expensive it's harder to to do it you know so I really like that stuff so who makes the plate when you send it out um boxcar press is a and there's a website for them that's where I I heard about them okay so you send it out and they then they mail it back to you yeah, they send it back to me. So I had a whole bunch of plates made that I could use throughout the book. So I designed it on the computer. Well, you know, I made a mock-up of the book. For me, I need to know what the binding is going to be or pretty much know what it's going to be so that I can design the book to fit, not even to design it to fit the binding, but I need both things to work together. Right. And so I had this concept of the back and forth, you know, driving, and I thought, I had seen other dosi do structures, that's what that's called, mm-hmm. the two-sided book like uh-huh. that. And I don't know why it seemed right. I didn't even get it at first. You know, I was like, dosi do that'd be so great. And then I realized it's perfect because of that round-and-round round nature of that trip. You know, and so, and then I wanted the fold-outs. I wanted some big images, the color linoleum reduction that you see in the book. That's what those are. Well, it's fantastic, and I love even the, the telephone wires, uh, the telephone poles of the wires, because that's, that's, I mean, obviously, you know, you drive anywhere, that's right. the sight you're going to see, um, but it really gives you the feel that you're driving down the road, and it really, really goes so well. So I, so I assume this was a success with your professors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was 
Yeah, a lot of people like it. I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, a lot of people say stuff to me about the power lines, that people are really attracted to that. And I love it. I, I love that. And the windmill, people really say that they like that image, too. And it, there's something about those two things, and the power lines especially. I guess it's because they're so part of our lives. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. you, you could not notice it if you didn't want to notice it, but when you do, when you when you get it like that, you you start going, wow, you know, I don't know. You just think all these things about humanity and you know how we live in a society. We have to do this stuff. We have to build these connections. That even in the middle of the country, we have to, we are all connected like that. Yeah, and I always wish that when I see these power lines, I always wish that we didn't have to to put them there because yeah. it seems like you know if you have this great open space. To have power lines just seems like, wait a minute, you know, right. kind of interrupting the landscape. Right. But, but we all want power, though. I know. So I know. And we want our phone hookups and all that stuff, you know. I know. So yeah, but it's it's a great commentary. And so this book, you you did this. You said you just finished it not long ago. Right. I finished it probably in March. You know, and and then what I do is I print everything, and and then I have to put the books together, sew them together. And then there's just the papers are sewn together and the spines are glued up. And But then I have to make the case. So what I usually do is I don't, you know, I, I did an edition of 50 books, and but I didn't want to bind 50 books because they're very time-consuming. That's really even more time-consuming in a way than the printing. Really? Well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way that I feel about binding. Yeah. I sort of, I love to bind, but I sort of dread it a little bit because I'm afraid of screwing it up, you know. I'm, right, and then that means you have to print again. Y- yeah, I, mean, I can't. You know, like the color reductions. Oh yeah, they're yeah. gone. Yeah, I mean, they're you know you print it and it's and then you cut more away, and then you print it, then you cut more away, and then it you can't. I could reproduce it, but it would never look the same. I see. So it is a lot of pressures on you. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're gluing and sewing, you want to have it be right, right on. Yeah. Well, I do print a little cushion. You know, I usually print like 10 to 15 extra just in case something happens. Yeah, well, that's probably a good idea just yeah. so you don't have to, you know, have one book missing a page, you know. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. There's, you know, $20 off of this one because it's missing a page. Yeah, it's missing a page, you know. <laughs> Is but that a big deal? You don't mind, right? I can tell you what it says. Oh. <laughs> I'll just make a photocopy of that one. Yeah. It will, and it looks like you're making the paper as well. Right. I did make the paper for that book, yeah. Do you make the paper for all your books? That's the only one I've done it for so far. Um, okay. Because at the time I had access to a paper mill at school at the University of Alabama. Okay. Yeah, that makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, because you need, to make really nice paper, I think you need a beater. And there, it's a big machine, and again, it costs money. And that really, you can get the texture of pulp that you need. And I've done it at home, too, with a blender. Believe me, you know, I've done it. But I, to get that real smooth, you know, surface, I think you need a beater. Yeah, I would agree. I have a blender in my basement that's dedicated to paper exclusively. Yeah. And I was actually, like, using, like, an old screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was laying this stuff out on it but it just the paper quality was just not there because I was using junk mail and I would mix in various things Um, uh so I've experimented with that but I never got anything that I felt was really 
anything fantastic or archival <laughs> or even <laughs> yeah, close no. even uh-huh. close to archival so uh yeah i it was more experimental but i know right. what you mean so we talked a little bit about the book you did as your thesis project but you have you sent several in this box and what book would you say has been the most uh do you have a favorite book mm. or do you like each one as you're making it as your favorite you know then? what happens this is what happens with the books and it's an interesting thing, and I'm sure other artists can relate to this. I love a book as I'm designing it, and I'm just digging it so much. I love it. And then when I'm producing it, somewhere about halfway through, I'm so over that book, I could kill it. You know, I just hate this book now. <laughs> because you just get, I don't know, I mean, I've already moved on. Once I'm in the middle of producing a book, actually putting it together, I'm sort of on to the next project in my head. Right, right. And so I'm really excited about that one, you know, and so it's hard sometimes to want to finish it. Sometimes what I always say to myself, like, you know, I'll get up one day and be like, God, I don't want to go do that book. I want to go do that today. And I just, I've come up with recently that I'd compare it to being a pig farmer. You've got to feed the pigs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who's going to do it? Right, that's true. That's true. That's true. Well, it sounds like just the plates alone. I mean, this this does get pretty expensive and time involved. I mean, how hard is it to make a a living off of this? Because it sounds like you're. This is what you do full time. It is. Um, It's really hard to make a living off of it. I think when you, especially when you first are first beginning, and that's you know, I guess that's with everything. Um, I really would like to do teaching too. I don't want to have a full-time teaching job, but I like teaching book art and graphic design. I've taught graphic design in college um, at a couple places, Mississippi State and Wayne State University. We lived in Detroit. I just looked on your resume today online and and saw that you worked with the Detroit Institute of Arts, which is really cool. So what were you in Michigan? Well, when my husband finished his postdoc, he got a job at Wayne State University. Oh, okay. And so we lived in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. So that's interesting. You've had the experience of living in many places. Yeah, it is interesting. And, you know, even when we drove out here to California... You know, this country, driving across it, it was just like, oh, it's so beautiful, the United States, you know, and then it's so empty in places. It's amazing how much land there is in this country. It's just incredible. But, yeah, I, I really love the experience of living in the Midwest. I, I really miss it. I liked it. You know, there were things I didn't like, like the winters. Killed. Yeah, the winters were already, I mean, we. I think it was October 12th when we got our first snow here. Like ridiculous this year. This year? Yes, we had snow, and I was just like, no. Oh, oh no! I mean, it was just—it it was bad. Like, yeah, yeah, it was just bad. I mean, of course, it didn't really stick very much. I mean, it, yeah. but it was just like it's snowing, and it's not even Halloween, you know. Oh, so, no. yeah. yeah, it just gets to the point where you you kind of feel like you know, if you're driving home from work and it's dark outside, and you're like. It's cold. You're like, oh man, but yeah. Right. So we cope, but it's 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 good weather to um to craft because it's too cold to do anything else outside. So yeah. to make art and stay inside and stay warm and do some projects. Um, right, so. right. Well, you know, when I lived in Michigan, I had my press in the garage of this house. Oh that man, that must have been killer in the winter. It was impossible. I couldn't do it. Because you're, you're handling hands. cold metal, like, <laughs> Oh, no, plates. my hands would just be freezing. Oh, I couldn't do goodness. it. I tried. I think I printed a Christmas card, and I just was like, I can't do this. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So you got your press, and did it come with all the, the letters and different types? I mean, how does that work? I mean, when you... Well, no, because you get the press. That's its own piece of equipment, and the type and stuff is a separate thing. And can you get um, that new, or how does that work? There are a few places that still cast 
metal type. Um, there's a place here in California called M&H. Um, there's a place, there's a few places on the East Coast, too, that do it. Um, but most of the type you find is used. Um, and you can, you know, it's gotten, again, you know, letterpress has gotten super popular um, in the past few years. And so it's really harder to find things that aren't expensive. And, I mean, I think on the coast, on, you know, east and west coast, it's really competitive, and people are just, they'll pay a lot of money for things. But, like, the Midwest, I still think there's a little bit of cushion there. You, you can find things, and, and equipment and, and type is easier to find in that area. The South is really, I haven't found, like, even on Briar Press, when I look on there, it's, all, it's so rare that I see things that are located in the South. Well, I've always been just totally intrigued. So when you contacted me, I was like, yes, we are going to do a show about this because yeah. I made little books when I was a kid. Of course, you know, I, my mom would sew them together for me and we would, um, t- she would help. She, I would write the, on my little, um, you know, those little notepads you get that have like the three lines with the dotted line in the middle. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would in very, very big with my giant pencil, <laughs> I would write oh, these things and there'd be like this really um, deep indention in the paper because I'd be writing with quite forcefully oh. and I would um, sometimes erase to the point where it was right a hole was in the paper yeah. and then she would take my drafts and she would um, I'd sit next to her and she'd plug in her electric typewriter and she'd type out the words at the bottom of the page and I think I would do my illustrations I think I did those after no before and then she would type along the bottom of the page oh, what what the it. yeah and I loved that I absolutely loved it you know and it was just um, those sound beautiful well they're not beautiful I mean my I, well I mean I think for me, I was so proud to ha- yeah. to be able to make because I've always wanted to be a writer. I mean, it, that was just something that you know I, I loved books as a child, and yeah. I still feel like I'm happy in bookstores. I'm happy in libraries. Mm-hmm. That's where I go if I'm feeling like I either go well, I either go underwater, which is like, for laps when, right. and we'll get to that in a moment because you have it sounds like you right. you love that too. <laughs> But I love to be around books. I don't yeah. know what it is. I like to pick up books and think about the other people that have read them mm-hmm. and had a shared experience. And I like to just imagine what it'd be like to have my name on a real book in a real library. You oh, know? yeah. Books are wonderful, you know. And I think as a kid, books were some of the best friends I've ever had, you know, because it was like you'd, you'd come home and you could just kind of go places without leaving your house, you know, yeah, and stories. Yeah, I, I love to hear somebody saying stuff like this because, you know, even before I talked to you today, I was thinking, does this? fit into the craft world I don't you know and I thought you know I was analyzing it and thinking oh people don't even care about books you No, know? I think people love books and I think that you know whether you you know this this show really is kind of a blending of art and craft and obviously mm-hmm. what you're doing is not um you know just like oh yeah I throw this thing together I mean this is fine art that you're mm-hmm. doing you're spending hours and and lots of skill goes in each book and yeah. uh, where someone following a pattern exactly to make a doily might not, I mean, this is, it's a different thing, but it's still an expression, right. a, self, a form of self-expression in a creative outlet and, and artistic. So, so yeah, I think you totally fit in. So I'm not worried about that at all, well, but I, yeah. but I think that just that love of books and I'm, I'm interested in, in just how you, um, it's interesting that you've always loved books and you, you probably never imagined yourself printing them though. At, right. At point. No, I didn't. I didn't know that like a person could do that. You know, I, I don't know. I just thought, oh, p- books are published by big publishers, and that's all there is to it. But it's not. You know, I mean, like, the book I'm doing now that I'm working on is uh, a collection of poems that my friend wrote. They're amazing, beautiful poems. 
And I don't know if her work would ever get out there if, you know, like I didn't print it or if she didn't print it. She does print some of her own stuff, but she didn't want to do these poems that I'm doing, so I'm doing them, and I can't wait for people to read them. I hope that they love them. Yeah, well, I think it just makes it so much more special if it's a limited edition and it's handmade, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Because, well, a lot of the printing I've noticed, a lot of the printing that's going on um, is not really going on in the country, you know, for mainstream books. I mean, people are sending the proofs overseas, and we don't really make much of anything here in the States, I mean, on a mass quantity level. And that, I'm sad about that. Yeah. I really am, because I'm just like, okay, well, if things went south somehow and we get ourselves into a jam where people aren't being real friendly with us, you know, right. I, I can see how that could be really easy that we get ourselves into a jam like that. Oh, I know. <laughs> the way we yeah. throw the way we throw our weight around, you know, um, and it's really I'm really concerned. I'm like, you know, if we can't make a car here and if we can't, I mean, if there's it gets to the point where we can't do anything here, we're not making our clothing here. Right. Um, we're just buying stuff. We're just we're just consuming, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and it's to the point where um, so I love to hear about trends that are going back the other direction. The fact that people are clamoring for printing presses. I actually okay. see that as a good sign, you know. <laughs> That yeah. we're going to be able to still print, you know, if we right. can't make a car, <laughs> right? we're still going to be able to print something here, you know. I actually think that it might, if letterpress stays popular like it is, and that people might start making presses. I'm really hoping that happens. You think that would happen? I don't know. I mean, I've heard like little whispers about it, you know, like I've heard people that I know say, maybe they'll start making them, you know, and I don't know. It who would be happen. Who would be the they? You know, there's this place in indiana i think it is yeah um called na graphics and this company has all the vander cook stuff from the past i think they bought out that company and it's that man that i'm thinking of who has said this to another friend of mine and he paul moxon is his name and he's a um vander cook you know just loves them and knows so much about them. He does a lot of maintenance workshops and things for people so that they can take care of their press. Okay. And he's the one who I'm talking about who has kind of mentioned, you know, maybe they'll start making them again because people are are paying $6,000. That's how much they used to cost, you know, in the 60s or, you know, whenever they were still being made. And And who used to use these things back in the 60s? um, Newspapers. Okay, so these are the same ones that newspapers use. They were well, they were proofing presses. Okay, that's what they're called, proofing presses. So they would, I mean, they had these big letterpress Heidelbergs, or I don't even know what they had, just big, big letterpress presses to print the newspapers. And um, but but they might need to proof a galley of type, you know, where they've set the columns. They might need to just take a proof of that, so they would just slam it on this machine, take a proof, and proofread it, you know, or whatever they needed to do before it, it went into the big press. So that's what they're from. It just seems so fun to be able to sit there and put, because you're putting things on letter by letter on your press. Yeah. That book, the, all the books, I think, that you have, the type is all handset, individual letters. And how long does that take? The first book I did, it took forever because I didn't know how to do it. You know, the case is set up a certain way and it's not like a keyboard and it's not like alphabetical order. It's set up the way it is because like there's a long case for the E's because there's a lot of E's, you know, in language. So there's a lot of E's, there's a lot of S's and a lot of I's or whatever. So it's set up a certain way and once you learn that setup and you can do it faster. 
Okay, because you're not looking just for A at the beginning and Z at the end. It's all scrambled up a little yeah. bit. Okay. And they're in certain, but once you realize, you know, it's kind of like learning to type. You know, the letters are where they are, and you have to, you know, your fingers get used to where that is. You can do it without looking. And so you're pulling the, you're pulling the letters out of uh, some kind of storage yeah, system? Yeah, it's called a California job case. Okay, and it's the same for everyone? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's different kind of cases, but that's the, the most typical one, I'd say. Okay. The California job case. And, you know, it's set up the way it is. And, you, you know, the first time you learn how to do this, you get this little handout that's a picture of the case with the letters in it. And you're, like, looking at the case, looking at that handout and looking at the case and getting out your A, <laughs> putting that in there. Okay, now where's the N? You know, but then, you know, by the end of that, even setting one paragraph, you sort of know where it is. Where it is. And, yeah. Yeah. And then you, what are you, you're sending it into what? When you, is, um, is it there's right a on? composing stick that okay. you set the type into. So it's this metal stick that has a little lever on it, and you, you're going to set it a certain number of picas wide. That's the term for, you know, type setting. Right. And I see a picture of that actually on your website where you have a picture of that. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. you're holding on to it. Process. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and so you, you set, and how much text can you hold? Like, how? How much, because that looks pretty small. Like, it depends on the type size. Like that, what I'm setting, I think, is like 10 point, and that's pretty small. Okay. And so I might be able to set like five or six lines of that. And then where do you put it after you set it? You like, can put it onto a composing stone or into a galley tray to tie it up. You have to tie up this block. So where there's not letters, you have to fill it in with spacing material. And so you've you got to make a block you know, a tight little block so that you can slide this thing off without it falling apart and then tie it up with string. And and then you can add to that paragraph and then you're going to put that in the bed of the press and lock it up with furniture. You put the wooden furniture around it. Mm-hmm. To keep it in place. To keep it in place, yeah. So if you discover after you, you know, do you do like, a, after you get everything set, do you do like one, a runoff on like some paper that you're not really looking like just to, to proof it, to yeah. see... Okay, and then what do you do if you discover, oh, man, I made a mistake? I mean, yes. is it easy to fix, or do you have to take all of it apart? And- no, you don't have to take it all apart. You can just get in there with, there's uh, tweezers, and you just pull the piece out that's wrong, or if it's upside down, which I've done, or, you know, if it's the wrong letter, which is, you know, going to happen. You just pull that out and put the right thing in. Have you ever done a, a run, uh, some prints off, and then not spotted a typo? Yeah. Only to have it happen later? Yeah, there's a typo in that book, in Self-Duel. I must have read right over it. It's a tiny one, and it's an upside-down T. Or is it, I think it's a T. And oh, I'm not sure boy. where and it so is. so how did know. you react? But I saw you... it, you know, but it was too late. Oh, no. And so, what yeah. did you, so you just were like, okay, I'm committed. That's yeah. life, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't realize it until I printed the whole book and was binding it, and I realized I had that in there. Well, it adds to the charm, right? Right. It's a, it's a human mistake yeah <laughs> yeah well it could be much worse i'm sure you know yeah. at least it wasn't oh, yeah. oh to... i feel really good to only have one in there it's not bad yeah <laughs> so do you feel like when you're making when you're setting type i mean is this like a relaxing process for you what is the process like why is it something that you love so much you know when i'm setting type i do enjoy doing it it is relaxing but like with, you know, how I was talking earlier about how when you're in the middle of something, you start to hate it because it's, you know, it's also <laughs> right. tedious. Right. But I think what I love is the result. Mm-hmm. And so I'm willing to do something. I, maybe it's not my favorite, very favorite thing to do. 
so that I can get what I'm looking for in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but typesetting, you really get to know the writing by doing that. Oh, for sure, because you're spending so much time with it. Yeah, and I mean, you, you know, you have to love letters, I think, to want to do this, and I do love letters. I love to draw letters. I mean, I'm not a calligrapher, but I love to, to draw the shape of letters. I love words. So I guess that's why it's okay with me to have to set that little type. But putting it back is another thing. <laughs> when I have to distribute it back, when I take the type apart, when I'm done with the book, but I've got to clean up my, you know, shop, I have to put the type back into the box. And that's really like, oh, man, that nine-point type, maybe that wasn't a good idea because it's really small and it's harder to see it when it's, you know, been inked. Like when I first put it, when I set that type, it was brand new because I had it, I bought it from a man who used to cast type and he had all these leftover things and I brought, bought it from him and it had never been printed. So it was real shiny and sharp. And once it's been inked up and even if I, even though I clean it, it's still a little dull Yeah. and it sort of all runs together. Yeah. It's not as shiny and new and harder it's to harder see. harder to see. Yeah. yeah. So how many different typefaces do you have in your in your collection right now? You know, I don't really have that many. I'd say I have maybe 35 different typefaces, and that's not a lot. I mean, I've been to shops that have hundreds of of typefaces. And is it Um, expensive for each? Because you probably have to get each typeface in several font sizes, or is that Yeah, like for that, for Self-Dual, I bought type for that book, and I really wanted to have the different iterations of type. Like there's a Roman... Uh, you know, Roman caps and, and lowercase letters. And then I wanted small caps and I wanted italic so that I could do the emphasis and design it the way I wanted to and, you know, create order and hierarchy with type. And the way I wanted to do that was using different, you know, the italic and small caps or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's three fonts of type that I have in my collection just for that book and you said most people buy used yeah well you can get new equipment most people go with the used and how much does it cost if you want to just get a font and you want to get it in numerous uh point sizes is it extremely expensive to do that well i mean you know the stuff i bought the guy it was harold berliner and he's an older guy who's kind of getting out of the business and, and selling his stuff so he had it was new but it was old he had cast it a while back um but it had never been printed that wasn't that expensive because he was trying to get rid of it i see but if i tried to buy that new if i wanted to get it cast for me just for that you know um that would be more and you can get it you can actually get it cast in composition so you would like do it on the computer or whatever and then tell them how to set and show them how that you want it set or how, you know. Oh, so, so they, they would do it in one exactly. big block. In one yeah. block. Okay, so you wouldn't have to set the type yourself. Right. Is it already done? Okay. Right. Now, do you, you consider do that, that done? And that's pretty, I don't, I've never done that. Do you consider that cheating? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, no, I don't. I don't consider that cheating at all because you're still going to have to look at it and you're still going to have to go in and probably tweak it and, and give things space and put, you know, coppers, which are the, spa- the, the thinnest spacing material. You might have to put some of that stuff in. So it's still going to be work. It's not like it's all done and there's no problem. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, like the book I'm working on, 
I'm doing polymer plates for the type, which is this will be the first book I've ever done that way. But I really wanted to try it because I may not always be able to get type. And so I feel like this technology is here. I want to go ahead and try and see if I like it. And if I never want to do it again, I don't know. But that's what I'm going to do. But I still had to typeset it on the computer. Um, So I just didn't have to do it by hand. But it's almost as tedious because I wanted things to align really tightly where I've got it flush left, you know? Right, right. So I had to go in and create a little gap so I could pull things back and even it up, you know, so. So it's not, um, n- none of this is a real fast production. <laughs> for no, any I mean, of it. you know, but it doesn't have to be that way. Right. I mean, you don't have to be that tight about it. I just, you know, when I went to Al- the University of Alabama, that's, I didn't know you, you could do that. I just thought you put it in there and you know, lock it up, but fine press printing, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, it just, I am completely intrigued by this. And I said to my husband after you had contacted me, I'm like, yeah, so um, how do you feel about me getting a printing press? He's like, what? And I think he's thinking of the huge one at our newspaper because oh, no. we both work there. And I'm like, he's like, what? Yeah, like, what would you do with that? I'm I like, mean, oh, no, I don't want that thing. Maybe you could find like a tabletop press. Yeah, I'd like to kind of get into this. I think it'd be fun to make books with my daughters. Yeah. Because they're, they're small, and Abby's still kind of, I mean, she's the oldest. She's only two and a half, so she's still small, but she talks about, we read books all the time, and she, I asked her, you know, I said, we, we should make a book. She's like, yes, let's make a book, you know, so I yeah. think she'd really get into that. And, of course, we could use stampers and all that, but I think it'd be fun if we did some really nice things at some point to do, mm-hmm. to make it Table kind of official. Tabletop presses are not expensive. They're, they're still under $500. Yeah. And sometimes you can get them free. You know, because people have these things and they don't want it and they don't know what it is and they don't care, you know, and they'll just give it to you. Wow. Um, Yeah, I'll have to look around and see. I mean, there was some story. I mean, I didn't see the show, but I've heard this story later. It was on that show, I don't even know what it's called, where they help people that need new houses and stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was this girl who was into graphic design and and she was young she was like a teenager a young teenager and they the people on the show gave her a little tabletop press and some type oh wow and i remember in the you know like on the the book arts list and stuff on the on the internet people were just like wow they're doing you know they showed this on tv so people are into it you know and it was exciting yeah so yeah, so it seems to be picking up speed, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, for so sure. That's really cool. So that actually makes it a little more difficult for those who've been into it, like yourself, because then you have to kind of scramble a little faster to get your right. equipment. <laughs> yeah. more competition. Yeah. Oh, but, you know, I feel so lucky that I was where I was when I got my, I mean, I, w- I got in right under <laughs> when it started getting crazy. Like a couple years later, it started getting really popular, so... I feel really lucky to have what I have. Well, so for your business, you sell your books. What do they run approximately? I know it varies by book, but approximately how much are your books? Well, the prices that I do on my website are actually the whole, not the wholesale, the retail prices. Okay. But because I have a dealer, too, that I work with who, his name is Bill Stewart, and he he runs a place called Vamp and Tramp. Okay. That's his little organization's name. And they go across the United States 
and Europe, too, a little bit, selling artist books to libraries and collectors. And he's a great person. I'm so glad he exists because before him, if you had books and you wanted to get them out there, you had to basically go to these special collections in libraries yourself and sell your books and show them your books. Oh, wow. And that's a lot of legwork. You know, well, yeah. you kind of drive all over the country doing that, but now he does it. And I mean, he takes a percentage, of course, but my books wouldn't get out there nearly, you know, as far as, as they do if I was doing it. Right. I don't have the time and I have a little kid, you know, and I couldn't do that. Yeah. And so your family, you're married and you have, how old is your child right My now? My son is seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so that's fine. So he's probably, does he get into, uh, does he like the letterpress stuff? Do you ever? He loves the press itself. Yeah. Because it has like gears on it. Okay. So and it's so fascinating. he sit on the other side of the press where he can see it going down the track. Yeah. He loves trains. Uh-huh. So he, you know, he, that's what he likes about it. He, the printing, he's like, yeah, okay. But uh, he's made books with me, but not printed them. You know, he's not in- interested in that part of it. He likes to draw and paint and do things like that. But So he's made books with me, but not printed ones. And so your press is how old now? Do you have any idea? Oh, the, I mean, the physical age. I mean, yeah. I think it was met, created in like... 1961. Okay. And it was one of the last ones to be produced by Vandercook. I, I want to say it was 61. It may have been earlier than that, but I know that my press came from a high school. When the guy that sold it to me told me that, he, he told me that it came from a high school, and I thought, oh my God, this thing's going to be beat up. But it, it wasn't. It's not. It's perfectly good. That's another place that, that used to have them because they used to teach that at school. Right, because it was a skill people probably wanted to have. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people didn't go to college. They went and did work. Right, and printing was high schools taught people how to do that stuff. It's too bad that we got away from, you know, teaching this. Of course, they probably didn't realize it was going to be regarded as this high art form, you know, back back then. But, you know, that's that's fabulous. Well, I want to talk about a couple of your other books. I'll just skip right to swimming here. Um, Okay. (laughs) I love, I think this is a beautiful book. Well, they all are. But I'm interested in what led you to create How Swimming Saved My Life. Um, well, you know, I used to swim as a kid. I was on the YMCA swim team in Easley, South Carolina. And so I loved swimming as a kid. And, I mean, we did it all the time in the summer, just every day, right. me and my sisters. I have two sisters. I have two sisters, too, and we spent every yeah. day in the pool, too. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I, I've just I've been swimming for a long time. And then I'd say, you know, maybe through college and a little after that, I didn't really do it very much because I, I guess I just didn't have access to a pool. I mean, I was a lifeguard in college, but, you know, I just didn't do it the way that I used to do it. Right. And so when we, let's see, when did I really start doing it again? I did it a little in Chicago. I didn't really do it in Detroit too much. But then when we moved to Mississippi, there's a great pool at Mississippi State. That's where my husband has his job. Um and it's a beautiful pool that hardly anyone uses. And I got into it a lot, and I realized how I feel after I swim is it's different from anything that I, any other exercise I do. I don't feel the same way I feel after I swim. I, my body is just at peace. 
Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to describe Mm -hmm. it. And if you swim, you probably know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think the biggest challenge I have lately is if I can sneak out to the Y to swim some laps, you know, leave my desk and go swim. There are times you get into that zone where you're swimming and you feel like you could swim forever. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I better get back to work. (laughs) So I I get out of the pool and and go back. But whatever issue I had when I got in the pool... Yeah. It's like you leave it in the pool or, right. or it goes someplace down the drain. I don't know. But yeah. uh, it just seems like when you get out of the pool after you've, you've been, you know, you've worked out, it's not as bad. No. Is when it seemed like a huge problem when you get in the pool, I'll be all mad, swimming real fast, right, you know, right. and then you pound just kind of pound it out. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's awesome. I know, know. You, you still might have the issue, but it's like, yeah, I'm sure it'll get figured out. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. This book is beautiful. Well, like your other books, but I like the color. You know, because you use kind of the. Did you purposely use kind of a blue right, uh, yeah. for water? Mm-hmm. And and then I see that I'm opening to the the. It's kind of a paper a page that I don't know the technical terms here, but you have the page that looks like it's the tiles from the bottom of the pool. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that anyone who's ever swam laps will know. Um, yeah, that that's all, that all you can shape. see. All you can see, you know, and then the black, uh, the black line that cross at the end that you see. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell that swimming had a big influence on your life. And when yeah. you, when you made the graphic elements for this, you know, like the tile, and that's something that you uh, did. You create that on the computer first, or? No, I did that by hand. It's a, it's a linoleum block. Oh, okay. And okay. so I just cut the, the, the little squares, and then I did a reduction. That's in, like in the other book where you print one color and then cut stuff away and print the next color. And, you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you can only do it one time then? Yeah. I mean, okay. So you got to print all the copies with one color and then cut away all right, of them? Right, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, that's really interesting, too, to think that you can't really make the same exact thing twice. And you're not, yeah. jo- you're not joking about that. It's after truly you... a limited edition, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not, I can't redo it. Do you ever but, wish you could? Um, you know, no, I don't. I, I, that's why I want to do more copies, though. Like, for that book, I only did 45 copies, the swimming book, because really why I only did that many was the image in the back there, that last page, the big fold-out with the um, gelatin print. Mm-hmm. Those are, I don't, I can't addition them. I'm sure you can. I just, when I do that process, it's so free to me that that gelatin plate printmaking is very free. It's like doing monotype printing where you're just painting on the surface and, and it's very loose and then you take the print off of that surface. I see. Okay. And so I used the same stencils. Like I had these birds and, and some different patterns that look like water or whatever. I, I, I use the same stencils for each print, but they all look different. Like I, I actually, after I finished that book or finished editioning those prints, I laid them out on the floor in my den and just took a, I got up on a ladder and took the picture just so I could see all the different Variations. images. Yeah. yeah. And they're all very different, but there's, you can tell they go together. Right, right. That's interesting too, because even within, while well, you're making several copies in this case, the cop, each copy is different. Yeah. So who do you find that you're selling? Who, you know, I know libraries, you said, and there are collectors, but do you go to shows as well? Or I've done a couple of things. Like there's that little festival. That, actually, it's one of the best craft shows I've ever gone to. And I've gone to some in Michigan and maybe a couple in Chicago or in that area. And then this one in uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, it's called the Kentuck Festival. And it's every year. It's, it's 
a craft festival that people that are really, really good craft people of all different kinds, painters, uh, sculptors, you know, metalsmiths, jewelry makers, pottery people, just go to this thing, and they have such great people. But the Alabama Book Arts Program has a table there now, and I have sold books there mm-hmm. um, because people come, that come to the thing, come to that festival, come to it because it's really good. Right, and they're looking, they're not going to be startled to see a higher price. Right, because and they're they, ready. They're, they come there to buy things. Right, they're coming to collect. Yeah. yeah. And so that, I've sold stuff there, and then um, where else? Oh, I did one here recently in San Francisco. There was a little event they had at the San Francisco Center for the Book, mm-hmm. um, and I sold a couple things there. That was more like people weren't really into the idea of spending you know, $100 or more on a book. But they really loved it, and it was so cool because I was sitting there, and I look over, and here comes Tracy Chapman. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and so she came up to the table, and, you know, I'm not going to go, you're Tracy Chapman. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. Right, Plus, I didn't right. want people to bother her or anything. But she said to me, oh, your books are so beautiful. And I was just like, yay, Tracy Chapman thought. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was neat. It was cool. Yeah, well, that's really cool. So, did she buy a book? She didn't buy one. Oh, and she probably, she has the money to buy one. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but, you know, it was just neat that she actually noticed it and, you know. Yeah, cool. that is, well, that is nice because it's not often that, you know, we receive compliments from celebrities. You know? I know. So, that's, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. You have a situation where your husband has a job, you know, mm-hmm. a university job that he teaches. I struggle with it a lot because I feel guilty almost, you know, that I have freedom to do this. And, you know, I don't have a job like where I have to go and be there from nine to five, although I've done that, you know, but right now I don't. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, but I can't, I, you know, I've kind of decided like, I can't do that. I have to, you know, if an opportunity comes along where I can get to keep, teach a couple of classes, I'm going to do that more than likely because I really like interacting with people. That's what I've been missing you know, for the past year. I was in graduate school, but then, you know, like this spring I graduated, but for the past few months I've been feeling like I want to be involved in something. And so I'm hoping I can do that at Mississippi State or somewhere around there. Right. You know, right. just being around other artists and, and students just gives me energy. You know, it just makes me, I, I can't explain it, you know, just being around people. Well, hopefully that will work out fantastically for you. And you I will, hope it does, you yeah. Will, well, I think with the skill that you have, I mean, this is going to be intriguing to um, art department heads, I would say. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, is your husband in the arts, too? No, he is not. He is a mathematician. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I could not keep up with him in math. Uh, you know, you, you'd be surprised. He's, he's a really good teacher, and the way he talks about math, sometimes even I understand it. So. Well, I'm sure he's wonderful at what he does. I just am, I'm an atrocious math student. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I am, too. I used to get real frustrated with math, but sometimes he'll be doing his stuff, and I'll look at the notebook, and I think, is that math? Because it's all letters. Yeah, it just seems, it seems like this mysterious language to me. Now, I wanted to talk to you about how to love someone forever, Okay. because okay? this book is pretty revealing for both of you. <laughs> You know, yeah. so I was reading this. I'm thinking, geez, do I need a permission slip for my parents to be reading this right now? <laughs> you don't, but don't leave it laying around the house. <laughs> uh, but I mean, because this is—it sounds like these are some poems that you guys wrote to each other when you were living in different parts of the country. Yeah. Okay. And so, at what point do you decide 
you know what, we're going we're gonna to publish this. Because there are probably several couples out there that have maybe considered inc- incriminating if a certain relative got a hold of yeah. some of the, you know, these love letters or in, the, mm-hmm. in this case, poetry you've written to each other. It's extremely intimate at times, but it's yeah. beautiful because it's this language that you have all to your own. You know, it's, 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 it's your story, you know, yeah. this is your mm-hmm. love for each other and your child. And yeah. it's uh, personal, but yet you've made it very public. Uh, well, not very. It's not like you published it in a newspaper. Yeah. I mean, these are limited edition copies. <laughs> but yeah. did you guys, are, are you guys normally private people or are you pretty... Open. Oh, no, we're private, for yeah. sure. I mean, I even when I've had that book in public places, you know, I was like, oh, I need to walk away. I don't want to see people reading that, you know, because yeah. it's embarrassing because it's personal and it's very intimate between me, me and my husband and my son. But I also feel like everybody understands this. Everybody has all these pieces to their life. Which is true. Yeah, That's exactly true. And yeah. so I feel I don't feel embarrassed about it talking about it like this. Mm-hmm. But I truly do. When people are reading it, I'm just like, oh, please don't, you know, don't look at me <laughs> while you're reading. That. Yeah, yeah. And you so, know? yeah, can, I can imagine. And what kind of response have you gotten to this book? Have people talked to you about it? Or I mean, um, you know, I mean, some people really like it. And I, I think I've had most people I've, I've sold a few of them. But because it's poetry and there's not a whole lot of illustration or you know i think people are kind of like yeah it's just poetry if you don't stop and read it okay it kinda, it's a plain book compared to other things that are out there but i didn't that's how i wanted it to be and but some people if they actually stop and read it are like wow oh my wow i can't believe you did that wow it's really cool but i've seen people read it that look at me like you are crazy i can't believe you published that you know, I mean, yeah. this and actually I, happened here in San Francisco. I had it out there. And, you know, my husband was sitting at the table, too, but with me. And he had to tell this one kid, you can't read that book. Because he was, like, 10 years old. And there's a poem in there that's, that he wrote to me that's, you know, pretty X-rated. It's not horrible, but a little bit, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want a, yeah, you wouldn't want a 10-year-old no. reading this and so he had to, you know, say, you can't, you shouldn't really read it. But there's other things in the book that are fine for anybody to read. Right, um, right. But there's a couple of poems in there that he wrote to me when we were apart that are sexual. And so do you guys have any regrets about it? Or are you comfortable with, with, what you, with your decision? I definitely don't regret it at all. I love it. I mean, I just think it's honest and it's, I think it's pretty harmless. Um, it's not like it's porn. You know, there's images, oh, no. you know. no. So no. I, I kind of feel, I feel good about it. But like I said, it's kind of like a diary almost. Yeah. Yeah, it does have that feel because, I mean, it's it's something that is very, you know, like I said, I mean, I was like, because I started, and I this one I think was like the second or third one I looked at. And I guess I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. You know, so I start reading it and I'm like, holy, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess everything's on the table here. You know? Yeah, it's really, that's what I wanted is sort of this, it's all the aspects of our feelings for each other and sometimes they're boring sometimes they're you know sexual sometimes they're just ordinary sometimes they're lovely and beautiful like the poem that my husband wrote to my son about the jomioki that the the mountain oh mm -hmm. that one is so great and and then there's the goofy poem where 
it's the Sestina from that that long one with the fold out, right? Mm-hmm. Where he wrote it, and it's all it's just he picked out the words, and you know the way you have to write a Sestina, you have to repeat them in a certain order, right? Right. And that's so funny, and you know just goofball, and so that's what I like about the book is it's this. It's just life. Well, and it shows kind of that you're, no one is just one thing. No. And I think sometimes when um, you have a sanitized version of your life, which is really what most people are co- most comfortable with, because I think yeah. we're all afraid of being judged. And yeah. if you reveal everything, then people can judge you. And yeah. if you kind of sanitize it, you can say, well, people don't really know who I am. You know, they, they, right. they don't know, you know. And when you, you guys, what you guys have done is it's very, I mean, it's, it's like the whole thing, you know, the yeah. whole story. And um, you know, and it is, it is really, I, I mean, I commend you for your, your bravery to do that. Cause I think I'd be thinking of like in-laws and oh, yeah. people, all these people, like, I mean, do you have relatives who have seen this? I don't think either of our parents have seen that book and I would not want them to. So, I mean, I mean, I think I did tell my mom, you know, I'll show you this part of the book. Cause that's the first book really with a hardcover and all that, that I printed that I've okay. ever done. Okay. And I wanted to show her that, you know, and so I did, but I said, I don't want you to read this whole book because it's got, you know, poems in it that I don't want you to read. And what, how did she respond to that? She was like, okay, you know, she just wanted to see what I would let her see. So I don't think she has a copy of that book and I'm pretty sure she hasn't read the book. Yeah. yeah. Because I've done other stuff since then that's perfectly fine for anybody to see. I mean, but you know, I was going to say though, even the swimming book and even the the self dual book, I feel a little exposed. You know, like well, I think yeah, and and why don't you yeah go ahead and expand on that? Well, expand. I mean, but that's I I wouldn't do it if I didn't feel comfortable. If I really felt like it was something that I didn't want people to know or see, I wouldn't do it. But I I'm like that. I just don't care if people know all the stuff about me because I don't. I I think. People need to be honest, and we are all everything. We're all those things. Like, mm-hmm. I think I said that in the self-dual book, something about how I'm all of those things at, at once. I don't even remember, but there's some text that, that, that says that, and I think that's really an issue that I address in a lot of my work, and I'm just now, as I say this, realizing that that's a, a thing for me, that, that to peel off the mask and the veneer and just be myself and let people like it or not you know I, I, it's just being an artist mm-hmm. i guess that's well it's it's self i mean you're you're putting yourself into all these books that you produce and um they probably wouldn't resonate at all with people if it was just this um impersonal thing right and it's not like you're doing this kind of like oh i think i'll hit print and print out this poem my husband you know right. wrote to me and you have 20 copies and you start distributing them around town i mean this is a very deliberate and long process where you are printing on a, you know setting the type and picking what graphic elements you're going to put in there and um you know it, it's it's something that you obviously have put a lot of thought into so it's yeah. not just some on a whim you decide you know yeah. six sheets to the wind that you're going to do that, you know what i mean i mean I'll this just is print this out and staple it together yeah and i mean this is yeah, yeah this is right. something that's, that's exactly true that that's, it's deliberate you know, and it's also, but it's, it's and so at the same time, it, it's, you've put thought into this. And, yeah. Um, did your husband have any concerns? Because the poems probably the most revealing are the ones he wrote. <laughs> he didn't care. He didn't care. He's just like, whatever, I'm a mathematician, bring it yeah, out, you he, know. He was, you know, he's cool with it. He's not, he's not shy about that at all. Yeah. He doesn't, he yeah. doesn't care about it. He de- he's not embarrassed. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, I commend you guys for your bravery. I really do. Because I think that I would probably be, you know, just have my face would be red probably for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh, no, you, know? you wouldn't. I'm, it, it just, I'm just, in, I guess. In front of other people, if somebody's reading it while you're well, standing that's, there, yeah, they look at you like, what? Then yeah. you might be like, oh, yeah, I forgot. But the know? thing that is so funny about that is that when people respond, you know, and you're like, whoa, wow, this is, okay, this went someplace I didn't expect. But then at the same time, your point is well taken because it's, you're right. I mean, most people, you know, in normal relationships have, you know, these experiences. And it's, I think just when you see other people writing about it, you're like, wait a minute, wow, they're really mm-hmm. taking some risks. But mm-hmm. it's the truth, you know? Yeah. And we all have truth in our lives. And it yeah. just it's, it comes down to the question of how much you want to reveal. And right. that's the part that, you know, you have to decide for yourself. So it sounds like you probably won't be doing any public readings of this one. <gasps> no. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. I hope I never have to. <laughs> I guess I will. But, you know, if I ever get asked to do it, I'll do it. But Yeah. No, actually, no, I won't because those are Kevin's poems. Right. He can so read them. He would have to do the public readings. Yeah. yeah. He'd do it. He would do that. Well, I'm interested. The, the um, you have some. It looks like a vines, or let's see if I open this again. Throughout here, and I don't want to mislead people when I say graphic elements. There are no inappropriate graphic elements no, in this book. They're but, weeds. but they're weeds growing. And yeah. did you do that with a, just the black cut of black yourself? They're drawings. I did the the line drawings with pen and ink, and then I scanned them into the computer. Okay. And had plates made. Had from plates them. made. Okay. Yeah. They're simple. They're not. Yeah. And I don't mean simple in like in an offensive way to your yeah. work, but they're they're I guess minimal. They're not. Yeah. You know, this very you know um, overpowering, and some of them don't take up much of the page at all. Mm-hmm. But they're just. I think they're great. I think they're really fantastic. Yeah, um, I, I really enjoy doing those. And you know, I draw a lot. I just kind of draw in my notebook, and maybe that's even where that started. I was doing a lot of drawings, and I think it started. That's you know, when I started driving back and forth between school, I saw all these plants and things on the side of the road. So it sounds like I'm just staring out the side of the road, but I'm not, you know. But I noticed things I never noticed because what else am I going to do? i got to notice, you know, i got to right. look at stuff. Right, so. if you're driving with other people, you might be talking or in conversation and not noticing what's out the window. Exactly. You know, where this is the kind of the reverse of that. That's one of the things I love about all of your books is that there's little surprises. And even, you know, with the... Uh, Valentine Sestina um, that your husband wrote behind mm-hmm. that behind the type even mm-hmm. you have the plate um, that you've printed out in gray and it looks like it's um, so is that one big drawing that's one big drawing wow yeah and even that the part that's red the, yeah that's the same the, that's reverse yeah that's the same drawing but I once I scanned it in I separated it out and treated it you know did a different thing with it but yeah yeah it's interesting because there's something, there's the text, you know, element to your books that people can read them. You can also just in, in take in the, you know, the the visual elements as well, which is really really fun. And right. Then, what is the cover made out of on that? Um, did you do like some kind of a painting? Oh, the paste paper. Yeah. The the, the mark. Yeah, that's paste paper. Um, that's so easy. That's such a good thing to do with kids because it's really fun and it's kind of like finger painting. You have to use certain amounts of, of the starch and a certain amount of water and cook it for like 20 minutes till it's like paste. And then you can mix that with a little bit of water and then put acrylic paint in it. Okay. And make paste paper. And you just kind of put it on the paper and you can use those combs or... You can use your fingers or you can do, you know, use any kind of mark-making tool to make the paper, yeah. And then you just use that then to make the form the outside of the book. Right. So I, I made, I additioned a bunch of, 
again, I use the same colors, but, you know, each paper looks a little different because I didn't try to make all vertical lines or whatever. I kind of just loosely did it each time. And what kind of paper did you use as your base then? When you've used paste, you paint on with the paste, what did you... The paper I used on that book is the same paper that's on the inside, which oh, is um, okay. that Hannon Mule Bougra. It's a, it's a good paper. Because it looks so much thicker, too, when you add that paste on there. I mean, that really yeah, adds quite a dimension. Quite yeah. a bit, yeah, having that paint on there. But the paint, what's good about using that wheat starch and the paste, that kind of paste, is it flattens out. Like, I've done it way in the past when I first learned to make paste paper, and it would stand up. I don't know. I don't even, I don't think I made the paste. Somebody else did it. And then, you know, I just used it. But it would stick up and, like, crack off. Oh, wow. But this stuff, when it dries, it flattens out and it's clean. It doesn't come off. Right. And you want it to be something you can then work with if you're going to bind something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want it flaking off and, you know, I've used stuff where the ink or the pigment or whatever it is will come off on your hands. Wow. But that stuff doesn't, yeah. You have a couple more books here in the box, the Triumvirate. It sounds like this is something that you did about your sisters, would you say? I mean, is this um, something Well, it's that... kind of about the all of us, the three of kind us. Kind of the relationship, I yeah, guess, is what and, I'm getting and, at. And just the places you can go, those three places, the Brick House, the Restored House, just all different things you've been through in life. And, I, I mean, I don't think it applies just to us, you know. But they, um, were they I kind of... That concept was so weird. <laughs> Like, I don't know why I came up with it. I don't even know how I did. For some reason, I had, like, this deck of cards in mind when I started to use the black and the red and then that gold color. Mm-hmm. I, somehow a deck of cards came to my head and then, like, a house of cards. And yet there's no reference to cards no, in the text. But... I don't know. but So it went to houses, and so I started writing this these little bits of text about houses and the different houses. That Do you guys in. live in different kind of houses? I mean, how literal is this? It's I mean, not literal at all. Okay. It's all, yeah, figurative, I guess. I don't, I, can't, I don't know how to explain that book. It's, so, it's even strange to me. I don't, I don't know because it's, it's very small. There's not a whole lot of text. Right. So it's more like, I don't even know. It's just even that, that book is like a house. You just kind of go in there and read those things and then come out of it. It's a... It's a weird little book, Triumvirate. It sounds like we've all made things that seem strange to us afterwards. Yeah. And that happens on occasion. Yeah. Where you just don't understand why you did something. And yeah. I was in a watercolor painting class, and I'm a horrible watercolor painter. Um, <laughs> but I, I am too. It's I hard. Wanted They're to, hard. It is really hard. I wanted to step outside my comfort zone. So um, about four or five years ago, I signed up for this class, and I decided I was going to paint The Scream but I was going to do it as a Mm self-portrait. So you can imagine how I was feeling at the time, right? Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. (laughs) And I did this really elementary version of it because you could recognize I use the same kind of colors and so forth. But um, I was painting. I was listening to, I think, my headphones. I was painting at my kitchen table. I think my husband was asleep because he was on a different shift than I am. And so we're on totally different schedules. And I painted, when I got to the body of, you know, this image of me, on this bridge, you know, like the scream, um, Mm -hmm. I, for some reason had a circle at my like abdomen area and painted, just continued painting around it and left the circle just like open and blank. And I don't know why I did it. And I kind of stopped like, why did I do that? You know, what's going on here? And and then I just like, well, all right, whatever. And I just kind of kept going. And so I brought it in and I had like this 
weird circle and people are like, well, what is that? I'm like, I don't really know. But I just, I thought it was strange that I made it. So I thought I'd leave it there because I don't really understand it. So I just leave it there. And it was interesting because then after that, I found out I was pregnant. And then right after that, I found out that I, I was going to have a miscarriage. It was a blighted ovum, which means you have a sack of the, the baby. The baby does not, you know, develop and it kind of gets to a yeah. certain point and it just doesn't go any further. And it's uh, when I found out, I mean, Whoa. you know, you go for your like first checkup and you're really excited that you're having an mm-hmm. ultrasound and all this. And when you're told that, well, it's a blighted ovum and that, you know, you're not going to have this child and it was really you do feel empty you know you feel completely empty and you already miss so much this thing that you never had in the first place Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but at the same time I but I thought of that painting almost it it seemed like pretty quickly when I'm getting this news and I'm thinking back because it almost seems like you're losing your balance but you're you're sitting there and you're not going anywhere but you can't like in your head you're, you're just losing your balance and you're kind of staggering through your memory and and That's I just amazing. was like, how, what does this all mean? I mean, did I know? I mean, because I wanted to have children. I've always mm-hmm. wanted to have children. And, mm-hmm. But I had no idea, you know, at the time. And I can't remember the timing if I was pregnant, like, and I found out, right, I think there was a, a little bit of time, like, I'd say a few months or so between um, when I painted that and when I found out I was pregnant. But it was really something else and I mean while you could be like completely like oh my gosh that's freaky I just was like you know what I don't really know what that all means but you know it it was it was weird to me you know when I now when I look back at that painting you know I have it in one of my you know my big uh you know you see people who are really good painters carrying around at art school carrying around those big things with paint (laughs) other paintings you know I have some not so good paintings in one of those (laughs) and and that's that's one of them yeah that's one of them and um but I kept it because I thought you know this is part of my history and this Mm -hmm. is really and it's still intriguing to me because I'm like I don't know what was going on yeah I know I mean that is being an artist you can't question yourself in a way and you shouldn't edit I, I mean, I just think you can't stop what you what's happening. Like, just let it happen. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that it's, well, it's hard. I mean, because I brought that in, and then people were, well, what is that? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I really yeah. don't know. And I, I mean, I didn't go into a long diatribe with the students, with these art students who were much yeah. lo- younger than me. They were like, yeah. you know, the 18-year-old, yeah. you know, community college students, and I'm, you know, a working professional that's just confused <laughs> about what, I'm, what the heck I'm doing, you know, doing a self-portrait of the scream, you know. Right, right. <laughs> so clearly I was not, you know, feeling like I was going to rock the world, but, you know, and something was missing and it was children but I didn't really want to have this discussion with 18 year old I mean not to say there's anything wrong with 18 year old but I just didn't want to really have this discussion but yeah I I painted it I mean I couldn't I never thought I I didn't even think about kids well I painted this and I it's like okay I'm holding it up but yet I don't want to talk about it you know what I mean so it was just kind of a weird scenario but um so you're so this book kind of is kind of like that for you where you're not quite sure yeah I mean it's not even like I wouldn't talk about it if I didn't I just don't know what that book is it's such a weird thing it's like it's it's sort of a visual thing even though there's text and the text is pretty strong and it like you know there's not a whole lot of elements other than the text but those other elements are sort of what drove the text like that image of the flower or, or whatever that thing is that circular object yeah to me i thought it was a flower okay but... and then there's um the the type that triumvirate type the way that homewood typeface is that stripey little thing it just was like this royal the, the house of cards and then this house text came up but 
even now, I can't explain it. I don't even, it, it, it sounds so flaky and weird right now while I'm trying to say it, but I, I can't explain that book. I guess if anyone, you know, if people take something away from, you know, this latest part of the discussion that we're having, it's just, you know, sometimes you just have to go with it. Yeah. whatever comes out and you might never figure out why you did something but then right. you might it might make sense to you after time like, I was going to say it seemed like at the time it made perfect sense but in retrospect and trying to explain it now I'm just I, every time I get asked something about that book I'm like oh no now I seem like a dingbat because I don't know how to explain this book I just have to like tell people to to read it and take from it what you want. Well, and that's one of the things about art is that I think anytime you go into it, whether you're in a gallery or you're walking past somebody's easel when they're working, we all bring something to a piece and you take something away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, and it really is open. And that's why it's so hard. I think when people review art, yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things to do. And that's why I thought, you know, I don't think I ever want to be someone who says, this is good, this is bad, because right. it's... It's just, and I know art reviewers are not nearly that simplistic. But no, they, about, they, yeah, they know all kinds. I mean, of stuff. they know. I mean, that you, it's a, it's a craft, really. I mean, you study and you know history and mm-hmm. so much. But I mm-hmm. think, even though you come, they might come at it with a lot of information and mm-hmm. a lot of background and training. It, it's still, I don't think it's maybe appropriate for one person to decide whether or not something is is good, you know, because what appeals to me, you might think, wow, no, I don't like that at all, you know. I know. I mean, I guess I kind of hope that people, when they see my stuff, what I'm hoping for is that they recognize not me, but themselves or just how everybody is similar and has had these experiences and like th- that they could have had, maybe that could have been their experience, you know? I just want people to relate to it. I know with the, the, the book, The Swimming, you know, the book, I Have Swimming Saved My Life, I I related even to the title because I'm like, that yeah. is awesome because I swam in high school. I started swimming in eighth grade. I joined a Y team, and that's yeah. when I was competitive. But I swam every summer, just swam every day, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, re- I right away connected to that. And now I see the images, and I immediately associate that with the image I see every time I swim, the bottom mm-hmm. of the pool, the black mm-hmm. line, mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, so I think your work does resonate. Um, and everyone, though, is going to look at your body of work, though, and be like, okay, that book in particular resonates with me, but someone else might come along and say, oh, I really like this other one. Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of it, is you, right, make a, you right. just keep creating, and people take what they can from it. Um, and there's another book here that we didn't talk about yet that I'd like to give you a chance to, if you want to say something about. Um, and this would be Crooked Trajectory. Mm-hmm. And what were you going for in this book? Um, that book, I mean, all the books I've done so far are really projects from school. Okay. And even the triumvirate was. But, I mean, since I'd already sort of had experience as an artist, you know, kind of I didn't know I was a book artist when, I, you know, I was telling you that about the singular books, the one-of-a-kind books I was doing. Right, right. Um, so I kind of, when I'd get a project, I knew what I would do with it immediately. So, I mean, they are personal projects, even though they were, you know, in that context of school. But that one... The, the project was to talk about, like, the future of what you thought you would do with this book arts degree or, what you know, have this experience of, of taking the classes and learning this new craft. Um, but what I ended up doing was thinking about how my son, having my son, affected the way I would look at my life and just things, and, you know, just life in general, I guess, not 
not really the future or the past, but just kind of like how it changed. And so that book is, the, the text I think is, for me, that's one of the most personal books I've done because the text only means something to me, I almost feel. Um, and I've heard, a lot of people read that book and they don't think the text is very good, I think. I've heard one person at least say that they thought I shouldn't have printed it. <laughs> someone, told, like, someone, actually oh, told, okay. someone actually told you that? Yeah. Now, how, did someone tell, I mean, how do you tell somebody that? Like they just came up you know, and said you I shouldn't mean, have printed this? Some people feel like you should only print things that are important, quote unquote. Yeah, but who decides I what's know. important? You know, whatever. I, it was up comment where I just kind of was like, uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whatever you say, I'm yeah, sure I'll do it. You know? But um, I, that that text, I mean, I'm not even feeling real strong about it. I like the other things I've written since then, but I let go of it. When I wrote that text, I just went, I don't care. I'm going to do this. I want it to be very floaty and dreamlike, and that's the way I'm going to do it. And I, I can't, I'm not going to apologize or change it because, somebody else might not like it. And I, even when I wrote it, I knew it was kind of flighty. But, you know, here I am setting this. That type is so beautiful, that Spartan font. It's a sans serif, you know. It's that really clean type. Uh, um, that was so fun to print. It was really nice. Um, but then I did the linoleum reductions, and that's the first time I'd ever really done those seriously. And so I was really playing with the imagery a lot. And mm -hmm. I mean, I like the book. I think visually it's beautiful. It's really rich with the yellow and red and yeah, black. the colors are very vibrant in there. And I think, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's fun and it's different than the, your your other work. Yeah, you know, and I think that kind of shows the range too. And if you're the one putting the time into it, you get to decide what you print. You know, exactly. <laughs> you know. Oh, I do not agree with that remark yeah, at that's all. Just... I was like. Okay. Well, know. I think that's one of the hard parts about being an artist is that people feel that they have to, you know, they, they feel like, oh, it's, an, you know, I, I should give an opinion here, you know. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes I think if you're not going to say something kind, it, you know, maybe just keep it to yourself, you know, because it just <laughs> seems like that is just a, a very rude remark. Oh, but, yeah. Well, but, you know, it, I mean, the book arts world is such an interesting place because there's sort of two different world. There's the fine press printing people, and then there's the artists. So there's two extremes, and then there's sort of this middle. And I feel like I'm on the artist side of the middle, you know. So I'm not a fine press printer. Like, what I mean by that is people print like famous poets. You know, they'll find like, you know, uh, Nobel laureates or whatever, yeah. and people like that. I mean, extremely good and known poets or other kinds of writers and they want to print that stuff they're not really interested in illustration maybe you know or anything like that or if they are it's like poem illustration poem illustrate you know they're kind okay, of it's not it's not really like an artistic the book itself is a piece of art right it's, it's more very content. craft it's very related to how good you know the printing is how clean it is how black the ink is you know all those little technical things and they're into that and then there's this other world where it's like you know more loose and where illustration starts to become the text almost you know yeah like you so could I can, have straight images so you can have i mean there's so there's so much room for 
you know, people to go their own direction with right. the printing world. But yeah. it's, well, I think it's been just great for you to give me like this kind of introductory tour. Hopefully this will bring you some great exposure and some collectors will come forward. We'll Thanks. see. I, I hope it does. And I just appreciate anybody helping other artists and myself. It's just awesome what you're doing. Thank you so much, Alan, for causing me to become even more obsessed with the concept of a printing press. Even though owning one may not be the most realistic thing right at this moment. And I want to remind you that there's a cool wheat paste paper recipe that you can download from craftsanity.com. So please enjoy that. And check out all the photos and links to Alan's work. Now for some contest information. We have a winner of Craftivity by Saya Carson. You know, I, I just want to say before I go any further is thank you so much to everyone who entered. We had a lot of entries. People posting great comments about why they craft on the blog. I really appreciate that and enjoyed reading them all. So if you miss those, please go back and check it out because we all have our own reasons. But it, it's really kind of interesting to see how... Many of us feel that we make things because we must. That's just what we do. That's how we're wired. So on to our winner. Our winner is Donna Davis, all the way in Australia, which I think is wonderful. So Donna, congratulations to you. Donna wrote, I craft because I have an absolute need to. I'm an Australian air traffic controller, a wife, a mother, to a toddler, and I'm also pregnant. If I don't craft, I don't feel sane. I need craft as an outlet. It is the only time I truly feel as though I'm doing something for myself. I think many of us can relate to Donna's comment. So thank you everyone for tuning in. I really appreciate that. I wish you all a wonderful holiday season. Be safe and craft often. And take a moment to reflect on all the things you've made this year and all the things you hope to make next year. We're at an exciting time. We have a whole new year ahead of us. And, you know, if you get to it, I don't expect you to do it on the holidays, but if you have any thoughts for how things have gone so far with Craft Sanity, the week of January 23rd, I believe, will be kind of my one-year anniversary. And I'm kind of at a point where I'm trying to figure out what to do next and how to maybe take it up a notch here. Oh, I have some good news. I actually have been able to scale back at work, so I am now part-time. I guess pigs do fly, man. But anyway, I am feeling extremely happy about this so all of you that wished me well and sent me emails um, I appreciate it I think all those happy thoughts coming my way help me out okay enjoy the holidays I'm really signing off now don't forget to craft sanity my friends it works for me thanks for listening to the craft sanity podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood visit craftsanity.com for more information about today's guest and links to subscribing to the podcast want to support the show Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email jennifer at craftsanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.